Hello, everybody, and welcome to today, tonight, whenever you're listening. It is an NBA Finals preview edition of the podcast. It should go with that. I, as always, am your host, Andrew Lewis, and joining me today is the rest of the triumvirate NBA prognosticators on our podcast. First of all, a man who has been officially recognized as the world's 20,000th best Laker fan. It's Adam Amy. I thought I cracked the top 20,000 a while back. Okay. Uh, look, we'll, we'll wait for the, until the numbers are in. We'll, we'll wait. But yes, up there, up we'll there. Wait. Man with a big Complain about smile the calls until you get what you want, like a true Laker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I've written a letter to uh, just to complain about the lack of uh, ranking that I have, and I'm hoping that the rating will go up shortly. Excellent. And also joining us, the man who has broken the duck. He is the first person ever on this podcast to speak before being introduced. It's Dan Shea. How are you doing, Dan? Oh, very well, thank you. <laughs> anyway, after that low-key shade, uh, let's get to business. The story of the NBA in the period between the end of the conference and the start of the NBA Finals is the Los Angeles Clippers, who somehow, but yet not surprisingly <coughs> to many... Sorry, sorry, that, that, that's just choking, just in case anyone <laughs> wanted to recognize who the Clippers were. They blew a 3-1 lead. <laughs> blew it not the only ones. Double-digit leads, left, right, and center. Well, the Clippers sacked Doc Rivers as coach. They're now on the hunt for a new coach. They may not go outside the building uh, to find a new coach. But, gents, is this what the Clippers need to do to take the next step? Or if, you know, if Red Auerbach somehow rose from the dead and took care of this franchise, they'd still somehow find a way not to make the conference finals. Thoughts? Uh, is this their, their real attempt of rebuilding? Like they're just going to full tank now by they sack Doc, get another bad, uh, get a bad coach in. Either that or Kawhi wants to coach and they just get well, someone to fill the spot. He's already tried his hand at being a general manager. So this is true. This is true. Look, I don't want to throw too much shade at the Clippers. They threw enough at themselves when they, uh, yeah, blew that 3 1 lead. So, um, look, Adam, that Doc's is gonna... demonstrably not true. You want to throw shade at the Clippers all the time. Their mere existence in Los Angeles is offensive. This is true. They, they belong in Seattle. And look, the reality is they got exactly what they deserved. But, but let's, let's not take the focus away from uh, the real story in LA. Let's stay with the Clippers and talk about Doc. So I was looking up some, I was looking up a stat and I found a kind of, I found a wisecrack about this online. Apparently, uh, Just the one? All, of the, all of the other coaches who have coached series in the playoffs, Doc holds a commanding three to one lead in blowing three to one leads in series. <laughs> <laughs> he wow, did it with Orlando once, and then he did it twice with the uh, with the Clips. Look, I think if they had it kept him on, he might have got another lose another three one lead, and then actually not lose the three one lead. So it'd be three one with blowing three one leads at the Clippers. 
Mm. Yes, it's possible. It's possible. Mm. Look, I think there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, I think, you know, Doc, as a coach, has clearly had his strengths and weaknesses. I think the relationship he's had with the Clippers organization has been both important and pretty complicated. Um, I mean, he he was a real steady influence when um, the entire fiasco with um, Sterling happened, you know, years ago. Mm. And he kind of emerged and had more power than most coaches have uh, in the vacuum that resulted after Sterling was kind of forced to, to sell the team. Yeah. Um, and one of the first things Ballmer did when he came in was dramatically reduce the front office influence that Doc had, um, formal and informal. Um, so, I mean, on the one hand, I guess this is like the final part of that, right? Obviously, Doc is out of the organization entirely now. Um, I think he's had, he's clearly, he's very much been a player's coach. His players all seem to like him. Um, and, um, but nevertheless, he's definitely also had these kind of limitations as a coach. Um, you can look at the kind of the inflexibility of, um, uh, you know, a lack of adjustments made during the, during the playoff series. You know, Trez was not the same after he came back after being out of the bubble. Um, but nevertheless, even though he was outplayed by Zubac and Zubac was a better matchup, um, Trez still took the, you know, the bulk of those minutes. Um, uh, you're looking awfully good. Dan, do you think... No, I'm listening. Think I'm... That, Dan, do you think that uh, the his commitment to be, you know, his, his relationship with his players and his commitment to them and the fact that he's a player co- a player's coach, do you think that is a contributing factor to the fact that he wouldn't make adjustments, you know, that he would just back his guys in and, you know, sort of rely on them to play out of it? I think that that's probably true, you know. Um, he showed a great deal of support, um, you know, kind of verbally uh, and in terms of his actions and rotations with players like, you know, Trez and, and Lou Will, even when they were struggling. Um and while that's a kind of a vote of confidence as a player, it's not necessarily a winning move as a coach of a, a title hopeful. Um, um, one of the interesting things, and this sort of bleeds into, you know, another topic we're going to talk about a bit later, but just thinking about some of the possible destinations and what he might do next. Um, I, I, I kind of, he's been mentioned in, in connection with the, the Sixers vacancy. Right. And I just don't think he's a great fit because I think his, his weakness sort of lines up with uh, the reason that they had trouble when they were still with Brett Brown, you know, the players loved him. Most of them, except for Jimmy Butler, the players loved him, but um, you know, he, he, he he wasn't able to get the most out of, um, out of his players because he wasn't um, maybe wasn't pushing them in the right way. wasn't pushing them hard enough. Um, and I wonder whether Doc will have Doc would have any better, any more success with that. Um, given, you know, he, he sort of doesn't like to ruffle ruffle feathers, and you know, likes to be friends with his players and that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, it's uh, is there is there a different side of it? Because I know he was given a lot of extra, like additional responsibilities. Is has that really impacted? Uh, I suppose where he's ended up, and that's um, on the chopping block. Because he he is the 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 players guy and he did he built that chemistry. You saw him back in two thousand and was it two thousand and eight when they unfortunately won the title, 
with Boston. But he is. He's a player, a player's coach. But when he came to the Clippers, they started giving him more and more responsibility, more power. It, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just bit off more than he could chew, and, and he couldn't couldn't perform to the best of his abilities. There we go. I'll I'll, I'll put it. I'll phrase it that way. Uh, maybe he should have just focused on the coaching aspect rather than the more of a GME type role, or whatever that role is that they've been making for coaches that want more. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think that's part of it. But I suppose, you know, getting into the kind of nuts and bolts of it, I think thinking about his relative strengths, right? Mm. The teams where he's had success have had vocal leaders and he's really been able, like that, that Celtics team, for example. Yep. He was able to get in and help these strong personalities gel together, face in the same direction, play as a team and play, you know, together. He wasn't providing that, you know, um, strong alpha vocal sort of leadership, which some coaches do, right? Um, you know, Ty- Tyron Lue's famous as a kind of a big personality in the locker room as a coach. Um, mm. and For a this, little guy, that, that's funny. But anyway. yeah. Well, and this this Clippers team, though, doesn't have a vocal leader. It doesn't have, uh, you know, a, got a robot for a or a Kyle Lowry. It, um, you know what I mean? Like it's... Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. If he's if he's the great facilitator, then um, then who's the who's the person setting the direction? Can I put um, a conspiracy hat on? Oh, please! I conspiracy think the, Adam. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard may not be the most outspoken guys, but you know how cold Kawhi uh, turned on on Pop in San yep. Antonio, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much a him or me scenario well no it wouldn't have been that he's just i'm leaving because you're not getting rid of pop so maybe maybe Kawhi's uncle went to uh went to clippers management and said he's gonna walk if uh if doc rivers is coach maybe maybe it's maybe it's the leaders that are being vocal to the wrong people wouldn't be the first coach because a player wanted them sick yeah, I mean... Oh, look, we're, we're not going to talk about the Lakers just yet, or LeBron, for that matter. <laughs> um, well, I mean, this is... So something that's come out of the um, the kind of the early reporting has been that this was very much... This decision was very much driven by um, Ballmer himself. So he probably spoke to Kawhi and probably spoke to PG, um, uh, but the kind of the, the credit slash responsibility for this... Um, has definitely been claimed by um, Ballmer himself. Um, and as I say, I think it was it was a very uh, distinctive situation here because Doc, who's maybe his strengths aren't so much in the kind of player movement side of things, the kind of GM side of things, um, and more in the coaching and bringing people together side of things, um, but there's also a legacy of some real boundary blurring with his role there. Um, I mean, yeah, he didn't yeah, really... Agree. He didn't really take on a, an official or formal front office leadership role, but he did step in to fill a vacuum, and he was a face of that, um, uh, a face and voice of that Clippers team during the um, during the kind of the vacuum left after after Sterling was forced up. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, in the one in one sense, I think him leaving is kind of uh, the the inevitable endpoint of that process. You know, Bournemouth yeah. came in, um, you know, dynamic, take charge sort of owner. Um, this was a ultimately a disappointing season um, after they'd made some big moves. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, you know, Doc moving on. I mean, he's aged a lot more. Uh, he, he's aged a lot more than the years that have passed since that time. It's been a yeah, it's been a rough few years for him. Um, I was actually listening to the um, the Bill Simmons podcast earlier today, um, and um, Jackie McMullen was on there saying, like, making her pitch for Doc to just take a year off, <laughs> recover a bit. He's not going to do mar- that. He's mar- either going to hang it up or not. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think he'll take a year off either. But you know, this was her pitch to him. <laughs> yeah, hoping that hoping that he was listening. And, and look, coaches listen to the media. <laughs> <laughs> look, in all fairness, like let's let's not um, make the Clippers out to be the the smartest guys in the room here. They they haven't really tasted success before, so they probably don't know what they're doing anyway, and have made a bad decision. Yeah, <laughs> I just, don't. I disagree. I, I disagree. I think <laughs> with what I think this, this I, with that assessment. I think Adam's, you know, staring, poking, poking and staring, and yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not going to argue that they haven't been a his, an historically poorly run franchise. The the benchmark in how to in NBA franchises and how not to not to do things. Uh, like I think Ballmer is committed to. Uh, Ballmer is committed to sort of fixing this, and you know he he. I think this decision is an indication of that. Not letting things just drag on, seeing that there was a, there is an issue with Doc that you know Doc's been a coach for a long time. He's been you know coaching for most about head coach in the NBA for most of the last twenty years. He's set in his ways. So he's going to back the players in. Uh, he's all. You got to remember also his NBA championship as a coach with the Celtics. He had those strong players. He also had a really strong defensive tact- tactical assistant coach in Tom Thibodeau. So mm, that's true. a lot of a lot of the X's and O's were handled by other people. Um, so this guy, you you, you know, in, in an AFL context, you might see him be, you might see someone like that move into more of a director of coaching role rather than, you know, being in charge, being the head coach, being the guy. Yeah. Um, so I like the, I like, I like the move. I like the initiative that Ballmer's shown, you know, he knows that they're all in next year. You know, who knows what that's going to look like when it's going, when it's going to look like, um, yeah, exactly. but, Get someone in, and I don't think it'll be a drastic change. You know, I don't think there'll be. You know, they haven't got they haven't got a lot of, you know, scope to make personnel moves do we, on do court we, do anyway. We put, um, do we, we? Who's the replacement coach going to be? Tell me, Mark Jackson's back on the table. <laughs> well, I think for the, the rest of this podcast, we should just talk like Mark Jackson. Oh there damn goes it! No, that man. The name, assistant the, coach, assistant coach Chris Weber. I want it. That'll be that. Up. That'll be a dynamic duo. <laughs> the, na- the name I heard, the name I heard for possible replacement was um, they'd promote Lou. Actually, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Give him another head coaching gig. Well, he seem, he seems to keep coming up, like with all of the vacancies, even even before. But he the- keeps not getting a gig. Well, that's also true. But I mean, he's come up with. Um, his name's been mentioned with at least two or three of the um, the current or recent vacancies. Mm, so he's been talked correct. about with respect to Philly. He's been talked about with respect to um, to the Clippers. Um, you know, someone even mentioned him with respect to uh, 
uh, is it the was it the Bucks? Someone mentioned him as a possible the Bucks. Yeah, mm, maybe. He um, just gets mentioned. He just get it's just so there's yeah, multiple he's, candidates. Yeah, he, his name gets thrown around a lot. That's not true. Um, I mean, Mike D'Antoni's name's getting thrown around with every vacancy too. Mike um, Antony, no D, <laughs> no D. Well, they played today in the playoffs. It just didn't work against the Lakers. Yeah, true. Uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking. So, speaking of coaches and Cybers, what now for Doc? He's not taking a year off. Is he really going to go where we're about to where we're about to go? Come on, Andrew. You know where going. we're about to go. I know where we're about to go because yes, because um, you've got the running sheet. <laughs> he wrote it. Hmm. I mean, there'll be temptation to hire him in Houston, I would think. I think, um, would Houston be a good fit? Well, I don't know if there's any ideal fit. What's the ideal fit? A team, he's not, I mean, I don't know if I'd hire him. Looking for a pickup basketball team coach? I don't know. I think, I think the best thing for Doc and the best thing for any team that would be thinking about hiring him would be a return to the announcing booth. But Yeah, that'd be a good one. It's easier... Yeah, it's easier for him. You know, as as Dan has said, it's been a stressful few years. He's been at the top of the tree. You know, te- Doc teams win games. They win games. They make playoffs. They make runs. Um, regular season, so much. Yeah, well, winning games. You know, you know, you got to make the playoffs. You got to make playoff the playoffs games. to be in the playoffs. I know, I know. Unless you're the Phoenix Suns, then you can win every game in the bubble and still not make it. Um, That's the bubble, but- not the season. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I, I think it'd be it'd be a good time to take a break, and I, I have a feeling that if he did actually take a break, he wouldn't need coaching. So, yeah, look, um, it, it's sometimes it's hard to step away. It's not like there's a there's a a hefty age restriction on coaching. He can, he can do it until he can't do it. Yeah, but I don't like, think there's a physically. situation where it's like it. Yeah, I don't think there's a situation like the Celtics situation in 2000. He was already the coach of that team when yeah, that exactly. team was constructed. But let's see, we go. here's a bunch of old guys coming together and you just need to give them confidence. You just need to look after them and put an arm around them and that sort of thing. I don't think there's, that situation doesn't exist unless, you know, to be perfectly truthful, unless, you know, the Heat, do the most incredible 2004 Detroit Pistons impersonation and That's the Lakers management just just so I guess like, we'll get we'll get to the Lakers in a minute but I saw something during the conference files from the post match where I just thought geez I don't think anyone in that locker room has much time for Vogel but anyway not that it necessarily matters but anyway where shouldn't Doc go where shouldn't he go specifically where's the place he shouldn't most go well it I'm, I'm I'm sick of talking about this. Every time we come up and I do a rundown for this podcast and NBA finals or it's the NBA draft and they haven't got a draft pick, always on my run it's like, geez, there's been a lot happening with the Philadelphia 76ers. So I'm just I'm just putting that the, they're there all the time. It's Everyone a regular segment. Listening, Done. You know, uh, 16, 17 regular NBA listeners, just remember that every time we talk about the NBA, we're going to talk about the Sixers. We're squeezing it in what no matter now? what. What now for the Sixers? They sacked Brett Brown. You know, they just completely no-showed the, the playoffs. The process what is should, about to what begin again. The, the reprocess. It's the reprocess? <laughs> They've got to unprocess before they reprocess. 
I think they're overly they processed. Do? They need to go. They're overly to processed. Food. There yeah. we go. That could be the name of the segment. Overly processed. <laughs> like overprocessed. So they have to they have to hire a coach and they have to decide what they're gonna do with roster. <clears throat> a roster where they've got Tobias Harris at just crazy money. How uh, long is he there for? They've got like another four years. And like, oh, yeah. like 140, yeah, 100 mil. Yeah. It's silly then, isn't it? They, they signed Harris to the max and told Jimmy Butler to leave. He'll be smart. an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Oh, boy. That's a so lot of pain to fill it out. Oh. His third term. Philadelphia he has fan. signed for five years and $180 million. That's a lot of, that's a lot of cash. That's a, that's that's. Look, that if is... you get Tobias Harris, it's uh, it's a good thing. If yeah. you're anybody else in the world, it's probably a bad thing. If you're Tobias Harris's family, it's probably a good thing. Yeah, true, true, true. I I, I should have been more specific. Anyone else in the NBA, like yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Anyone in Philadelphia is not happy about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got that. He was. He was essentially 20 points, seven rebounds, and three assists this season. And that's what 36 mil a year gets you. Mm. Ah, that's just. Um, I wouldn't. I've got Harris signed up. It's not in my budget, 36 mil. Simmons is about to start his max deal. It's because you're in too much smash ever. That's it. At least they managed to sign him before he got named to an all NBA third team or whatever, because he. There's some sort of rule about that and triggering supermaxes and all that sort of thing and beads on max money. Well, well, well uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. There, there's actually a clause in his existing in Simmons's existing contract that boosts his um, that boosts his current salary. Um, it's just that uh, he now that he's made an All NBA team, next time he comes up, he will be eligible for a supermax deal. Um, yeah, it's one of the criteria. Yes. Yeah, so and like. The- um, he had it as an incentive in his contract. So now every remaining year of his contract has an extra, I forget exactly how much, six mil or something on it. Oh, wow. Because uh, uh, he's made an all-NBA team and he will be eligible for the Supermax when his current contract ends or when he renegotiates. So, And that's the thing with the max contracts is I know they were desire- – I think they were brought in to try and have some sort of downward pressure on salaries. But what happens is you just – you know, people who You're dumping it on the better players. Ninety percent of the max. No one's going to offer them ninety percent of the max because they're just going to go. Oh, we have to pay the max to get him. So it actually has an inflationary, uh, and you get this inflationary effect, and you have this donut situation where there's a whole bunch of players who are on affordable contracts, and a whole bunch of players on ridiculous contracts, and. Because there's you because there aren't people on seventeen, eighteen million dollars and stuff like that, it makes the people like Harris impossible. You can't find a team with two guys who add up to you know, close enough to his salary to trade him for. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Unless no, Philly, unless Philly is sending like five firsts. Yeah. Yeah. No. So he's his contract is almost more untradeable than John Wall's. That's saying, that's saying something. That said, Walls is becoming more tradable now. Well, I yeah, mean, because, if, if, you know, every year that goes by, there's less of it left. Yeah, and given that the, we... the COVID's extended this season or um, delayed the start of next, it's, yeah. 
Walt's contract you know, is you know, it's still bad. It's don't get me wrong, it's terrible. Well, but yes, but you know what you're buying. If you trade for John Wall's contract, you, you know it is a it is a statement in indelible ink. You know, fifty feet high. We are tanking. We are rebuilding. You trade for Tobias Harris. So anyway. Yeah, but in that situation, is, what do you what what do you do? You've got to. Are they are they so really a they away? Do? They need to split up Simmons and Embiid. They do not work together. Mm-hmm. It's been proven. Well, and I agree. But they won't do it. Yes, yeah, so, I mean before this, they're going to go half in, not all in, and they're going to end up where they are where this season. Yeah, I mean, so Since we're going to have a segment that just talks about the train wreck, which is Philadelphia. Every podcast. <laughs> Every single podcast. Um, I mean the the um what I what I'd heard um was that the um uh the front runner, you know, before before Doc uh left the Clippers, the the front runner for the um for the Philly job was uh you know the the recently um former Houston Rockets coach. Dan Tony in Philly. Yeah. And then if Okay, came, so that means Embiid's gone. Yes. Essentially that was what was implied. So basically yep. if, if he was to get the job, he would have significant influence in player movement. Um and you know, the 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 clearly the odd one out there in terms of um, you know, Mike D'Antoni, who's now allergic to centers, um, would have been um would have been big Joel. Um, do you do you think he's allergic after after the uh, shot in the army got in the play when they exited the playoffs? Um, nope. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know about that. I think he was. I think it's a good style, but it, it shows that it comes undone. Yeah, I, I think, think he, he was probably just playing with it. He'll make adjustments. He's Mike Antony. He'll do his thing. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Adjustments have been a really major feature these playoffs, right? Like the coaches that haven't made them have struggled, mm. right? Um, and the teams that haven't made adjustments have struggled because over a seven-game series, people figure it out, you know? Yeah, true. Um, Miami has four – oh, we'll talk about it later. But, you know, just thinking about some of the teams that have made really good adjustments and um, had a really diverse attack over the, the run into the um, – the run into and through the playoffs – um, yeah. just tended to do better. Um, so, you know, like playing, like doubling down and playing a style that catches teams off guard, then they learn it and then it stops working, you know. And if you don't have the personnel to adjust. I do believe the the Rockets yeah. actually embarrassed the Lakers a couple of times during the regular season. Oh, yeah. And my, and my comment at that point was very much that they were going to adjust and wipe the floor with them in the playoffs if they met. But not that that came the, uh, Yeah. The Rockets played them in the first post-Kobe game, didn't they? And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they just started playing small beat ball. them by 20. Yeah, they just started going, you know, you know, even more so. I have a plan. I have an idea. This is what D'Antoni should do. Hold on to your hats and your chairs and your glasses of cordial. Philly should sign Dan Tony as the coach and then trade and beat straight up for James Harden. <laughs> Run it back. 
We finally get the you know what's going to happen, right? Hard and that at the five. You know what's going to happen, right? Exactly that. No, not exactly that. They're going to end up with Westbrook instead of Harden. They're <laughs> 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 going to go all in on it and just end up with the Muppet. Oh, you, they get an MVP out of it. Can you imagine the Rockets this season if they had had Ben Simmons instead of Russell Westbrook? <sighs> yeah. You know? like, I think it's a good fit. Mm. But I also think that, yeah, well, Simmons had his backing issues and things like that. So I don't yeah, know. The other guy who D'Antoni has recently coached who is probably available on the trade block is Chris Paul. So do you think he's is available? I think so. I mean, I don't think... Do you think, think after the, uh, the, the success this all, season? Yeah, but we all watched the last few minutes of Game 7 of Rockets Thunder. There was three future Hall of Fame... Three future Hall of Fame <laughs> players on the floor, and none of them you wanted to have the ball in their hands in that situation. Game 7, yeah. game on the line. So... True. Which was incredible. It was unprecedented in NBA history. So... Paul's going to be available. The Oklahoma City Thunder still want to build around Gilgis Alexander. They're not going to want to take him beat. That's that's the issue because it would it would completely change who they are. And they've got Adams. They'll want to build around Schroeder and Shea Gilgis Alexander and you know the hundreds of first round draft picks that are going to be coming in in the next few years. So. There are more yeah. well, ideal look, look, places as far as the Thunder is concerned. Is, is Paul, probably but the one they want to get. D'Antoni might be interested to bring him in. Yeah. Like, I just think D'Antoni might be like, oh, I know that guy, you know, he'll be able to fit into the system seamlessly. But it's almost like yeah. D'Antoni wants to go one or two records. And I don't, I don't think he's trading for Westbrook. But... If he wants to go one or two ways, the Embiid Harden one is a possibility. If he's going to trade for Chris Paul, he's more likely to trade Simmons for him and goes. I, I go still think Paul there'll be a three-way Embiid. trade. Well, that I think I think if it's a Chris Paul trade, I think it would I think it would probably have to be three ways. Have to be a three-way, yeah. You can imagine a situation where the Sixers call up after they've hired D'Antoni, and the Sixers call up Oklahoma City and say, you know. We want Chris Paul. We'll give you. We'll give you Embiid, and they'll say, "No, no, we'll have Simmons instead." <laughs> and that might be where the impasse is. So, I don't know if they need to figure it out because Ben Simmons wasn't a bad. Se- he's about to enter like season five, and Bead's in season six or seven. They got to figure yeah, well, it out. They, they, those, yeah. those guys' primes are going to be wasted. Well, yeah, this is true. They, it's not cute anymore. Like, it's not, they can't just get it's by. It's not the process anymore. Yeah. We're over it. Yeah. They are processed. Yes. They're, they're, they're over processed. Yeah. I think we've agreed that that's the segment now. Yeah. And I think the three of us, as we recognize as Australians, Ben Simmons is this generational talent. You know, he has the, you know, should be everything playing out the greatest Australian basketball ever. We want to see an Australian win a title as one of the, you know, one of the two best players on the team. You know, we want to see it work. It doesn't really, that's how I feel. I don't necessarily want to see it work in Philadelphia, but I do want to see Ben Simmons reach his potential. 
But part of that also includes, you know, when you're open outside that line out there, Ben, shoot the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And stop doing it in practice and start, uh, you know, try and have a crack in a game. Mm. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know there's a lot of hype because he's an Aussie. I just, I've never really been fully sold on him. Like, I know he's better than what I've said, I guess, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a hype factor there that, that needs to, I don't know, he needs to stop plateauing. He needs to go up a level. Look at what Giannis has done in his career by every year just improving. Simmons doesn't seem to be able to do that. Like the last couple of seasons, he sort of hasn't done much. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think his offensive game has certainly stagnated. Yeah, his defense went up a notch this year. Like he, he went from being true, true. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. fair point. Like, because he went from from struggling against Kawhi, although he had a couple of good highlights last last playoffs, to you know being an all defensive kind of candidate this year. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so, no, no, you've got yeah. a, you've got a point there. His defense has definitely stepped up a notch. Um, he's adding elements to his game. Maybe he's just a bit slower than Giannis, and that's a pretty high benchmark to set. So I'll 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 step away from that. But yeah, look, I I still get the plateau feeling. Maybe it's because he's not a showy player. Like, uh, well, I think I think his um, I, I will say like he, you know he's a gamer. He plays hard, but he does seem to be very shy when it comes to. Mm. You know, leading the offense as a scorer. You know, he's not—he's not a spotlight guy. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he'll grow into it, but there's some sort of block there, and it's not—it's not his speed, it's not his strength, it's not his handles, it's not even his jump shot. Um, he's got some sort of inner obstacle. Um, inner obstacle. I, like I think he's got, he's got a, that's he, deep. Yeah, I mean, he's—he's got—he's got some sort of block. Because as everyone keeps saying, it's not that he can't shoot. I mean, he's not a great shooter, but no. the bigger problem is that he won't. Um, that's true. That, that's a yeah. very, very, very uh, valid point. Yeah. Um, you know, he's great in transition, like, but he gets predictable because he's not willing to pull up. Um, and he doesn't want to be that guy. Like, he doesn't yeah. seem to want to take that, like, seize the moment, I guess, is the, the yeah. term. Yeah. He, he is not the seize the moment guy and... Really, Philly need that, and they yeah. need him to be that. He, I mean, it feels at the moment like um, unless he's able to take that next step, then to really have a serious chance, he needs to be on the same team as someone who is um, a really good scorer who doesn't have a conscience. <laughs> like, you know, someone who's willing <laughs> it to... It doesn't take, have a conscience. Like, with respect to shooting, right? Like, who's... Yeah, yeah. Who's who's not afraid of not afraid of anything or anyone, and is willing to keep shooting even if they're not having a good night, you know. Um, and you know we can all think of at least a handful of players who have that attitude. Not all of them have the talent to back it up. Um, yeah, yeah. This is true. <laughs> two, two, two people like that who don't currently have the talent to back it up, I think, are Russell riding the Lakers bench right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't you talk about. Uh, Alex Caruso, like that, he's not on the bench anymore. <laughs> yes, well, that, that brings us that brings us around, Adam. The Lakers are in the NBA Finals for the first time in a decade. ten years. It's been a, a decade. decade. Um, the it floor has, is yours. How do you feel about your beloved LA Lakers? I I have been uh, making the finals. 
I've been quiet most of the season, quietly confident, but uh, quiet nonetheless. Look, as LeBron put it earlier earlier in the week, it, look, the job's not done yet. Uh, there are still four games to win and potentially four games to lose. So we, uh, I'm wrapped. It's good to see. I'm loving the way that uh, Vogel's got a lot of d- different defensive schemes. The Denver series was good, but... I'm looking forward to a uh, another gentleman's sweep in the NBA Finals. And as everybody in LA has been saying, we're, we're doing this for Kobe. This is going to be the uh, – it's not the COVID season, it's the Kobe season. That's it. We are winning the championship, and that is that. Jimmy Butler, they've, they've overachieved, but the buck stops here. That's about it. <coughs> Fair enough. You know, Look, I think I, it's a reasonable point that the best two coaches in the league have made the NBA Finals. Uh, Frank, uh, sorry, uh, Eric uh, Spolstra and LeBron. And, <laughs> you know, he, he he works it out well, through every series. And it is, we're so inured um, to LeBron's greatness mm. that this is, you know, we're not giving this its due. There were, I mean, there are all sorts of, Things that could have derailed the season this year from a Laker point of view. Yes. Um, stuff that stuff that stuff that did only happen to them, and stuff that happened to other teams that happened to every team that certainly did derail that certainly did derail seasons. Surely. Um, yep. LeBron has led the league in assists for the first time this year. At his age, you know, thirty years old, he's still the most incredible physical specimen. He's still, you know, unstoppable driver into the hoop. And, and well, look at his partner in crime, though. And uh, yes, we saw. I think it was the, probably the knock on Anthony Davis, really, other than his inability to rebound, <laughs> uh, childish preference to not play the five, which you know, look, to, be, uh... to point it out, it's not, not something that. Someone like I don't know PJ Tucker or Robert Covington seem to have a problem with who are you know have got you yeah know, he's got half a foot on them. He he did opt to play when requested at the five, and that was the Houston's. That well, said, he was good. playing I mean, against I think, the, yeah. Yeah, the point is he's developed. I think he is better served. He hadn't played them. a lot of big. Hadn't played a lot of big games, and mm. to see him hit that shot against Denver, which was. That was the last that was, couple minutes of that game where I drag it out two go, you know, two teams just continuing to punch each other on the chin. And AD hits that shot. And you think to yourself, Lights a out. lot like LeBron, who wasn't born with the clutch gene, but developed it. Um, if AD can develop that ability, then... You know, he the 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 rest of the league's in a bit of trouble. Try as long as LeBron keeps producing like he like he did this year and has done for what seems like an eternity. So, yeah. And I think I think the I think the Lakers bench has been disrespected. To be perfectly honest, the the Lakers depth has been disrespected. Um, hmm. Now I can finally speak out about it. There's a lot of people are like, oh, it's LeBron and AD. There's been a lot of uh, really really good solid contributions from. Unexpected sources. I like the fact that LeBron haters in the last week have turned that completely 180 degrees and have started attacking, 
started going, you know, LeBron hating by suggesting this is the best team he's ever played with. So, you know, there's no Chris Bosh on this team. Um, there's no, you know, his third best player on his Cleveland t- championship team was Kevin Love. So, Lakers, mm. this 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 team's third best player is not Kevin Love or Chris Bosh. They're not that good. I just no, like, but I think it's a good spread. That's the that's the thing. Like you've seen the emergence of Caruso. Kuzma probably hasn't stepped up as far as he should have. Uh, but but it's those role players. Like Rondo, Howard are turning back the clock and literally playing like 2008 and 2009 Dwight Howard and Rajan Rondo. Sorry, I keep disagreeing with your ads, but I think in terms of like contribution, you're right. You know, that mm-hmm. in that sense, they're kind of changing back the clock, but they're not playing the way they did back then. Like, no, uh, basically, like Dwight is doing what he should have been doing all along. So it's only inside. taking him 14 teams to do that. Yeah. And, you know, a massive, uh, like he had to hit rock bottom, right? Like he, he had to he be did, out of did. the league to um, to get the dose of humility he needed to basically. That happens when you end up in Washington. Yeah. Like, but, you know, he, he, he needed that. But now he crashes the boards. He's a tough pest on defense every, you know, every possession. He plays with a lot of energy. Um, he yep. rebounds really hard, plays defense really hard, doesn't whine about not getting thrown the ball in the post, which is what he has done, which has alienated teammates at every team he's been to, uh, including his first stint at the Lakers, right? Yeah. So he also ball. hasn't played with, like, I think after that first stint at the Lakers, <clears throat> now that LeBron, it's LeBron's team. If you're going to yeah. back chat LeBron at, at Dwight's age and still be a drama queen over everything, you're not playing. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not getting a gig at all. So, I think Dwight's finally matured a little bit and or enough to uh, to sort of play the role he's been asked to play, and he, he's done well in the finals. He really got inside Jokic's head in oh, yeah. that Denver series and and played his role, which was uh, I think that's what we needed. They're all doing what is being asked of them. Rondo is probably doing more than is being asked of him, but yeah. So I have got a little, little more to say about Rondo, but the thing about I was going to say about Howard is that he's he actually reminds me a lot of late career uh, Dennis Rodman in that mm. when he's on the court and when he's facing in the right direction, there are a few people better at what they do, right? And correct, um, you know, but he needs that powerful, strong personality to keep him in line. You know, when Rodman. Like, as we saw in the last dance, right, when Rodman disappeared, you know. <laughs> you mean when he went to Vegas, yep. I'm talking about when MJ went to his hotel room and dragged him back to the, yep, the correct facility, right? Yep. Like, Dwight knows that this is LeBron's town. LeBron and that if he ain't wants dragging to keep anybody, his job, he has to him. keep LeBron happy, right? Yeah. Um, and so I actually think... Because his the mental side of it is so much better, I, I like him better than I did when he was more athletic. Um, yeah, and sure. I guess with with Rondo, Rondo's in in the sense that he's a really valuable contributor um, uh, to the point where you know I actually think I'd put him above Kuzma as their X factor uh, in in the finals. Um, he's playing a very different style. I mean, he's I know he's get I know he's getting them open, 
But his his form on his jumper now looks like late late career Jason Kidd's three point jumper when he became yeah. a really potent threat from there. Um, He's actually becoming who, a more yeah. dependable. Yeah. Well, guess who's been guess who's sitting on their bench? Guess guess who's been working out with him? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Like, there's there's a lot of contributing factors. Question is, yeah, we've got, yeah. Like, so he's as smart as he always was, but now he's hitting the open shots, right? Yeah, true. Um, he's a more reliable perimeter shooter at the moment, at least. Than, I mean, who on the, who on their bench is a more reliable shooter? I mean, Caruso's solid. Danny Green's uh, streaky. Um, uh, you know, J.R. Smith and um, oh, he's not even listed on the roster anymore. Um, JR J. Smith is, 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 you know, more than just streaky streaky doesn't, doesn't do it justice. Um, I mean, Markeith Morris steady, right? Markeith uh, has actually done quite well. Like he's yeah. in spurts, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But Rajon Rondo is one of the most reliable guys they've got off the bench. You know, the, the, what they thought they might've been looking to Kuzma for that, but he hasn't, um, he hasn't played up to, um, he's been hot and cold and yeah, relatively disappointing. Streaky. Um, Danny yeah. Green's continued to play good defense, but his shooting's been streaky. You know, Rondo and streaky, Caruso. That, that's polite. Yeah, well, Ron, Rondo and Caruso have been much more reliable. Caruso's um, just gone from strength to strength. He's just, I just love the way he plays hard mm-hmm. and he just doesn't seem to have an ego about it. So it's yep. like he'll he'll cut hard, he'll uh, try and get open, he'll play good defense, mm. um, he'll pass the open man, he'll shoot it if he's got the shot. He'll dunk um, it if LeBron passes to him. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just he just plays the right way. And I really like, you know, I'm really appreciating that about him. I see I can see a uh and this this is this is painful to say. I can see a John Paxson in the ninety-three finals or a Steve Kerr in the ninety-seven finals moment with Alex Caruso in a big game where suddenly the yeah. ball ends up with Caruso with an open three, they're up one. There's 10 seconds left. The shot clock's running down and he drains the shot that just ices a big game. I feel he's got that. And it will be everything he deserves because, I mean, I, I like him for a lot yep. of the same reasons that Dan likes him as well. I, I think he's like, you know, what do you want me to do? And I roll up my sleeves and I and I bust my bottom to try and uh, get the W. And you can never, he gives you a, he can gives never have enough of those guys on the bench. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he and, always plays solid defense. You know, th- yeah. 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 It's yeah, really what yeah. the first thing you want on the defensive end is effort because then everything else just falls into place with that. There are guys who have all the it physical attributes that don't put the, the game. Yeah. Yeah, they don't put the effort in defense and therefore they are poor defenders. So Correct. the Lakers are well, the favorites. There's, there's, one, there's one certainty that's coming out of these finals. Taylor Horton Tucker won't play any minutes. That uh, no, Dion Waiters is going to win a championship ring no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, and he also yeah. might be the secret weapon. So he might be able to give some insight into what Miami's schemes have been. So it's, I'm, I'm looking at the, um, I'm looking at the official roster as listed on ESPN.com. Yeah. And he's the one I said. Oh my god, he's not even listed anymore. Dion Waiters is not listed here. He's not listed in the. He's not listed in their in their um in their finals roster. He's oh still wow, JR Smith's still on there, but Dion Waiters is not. Is he? Might, he, he might still be a reserve. Yeah, uh, maybe. Andrew like, Barrett did this four years ago. 
when I was trying to list off their streaky shooters, I, I was going through the list and I was looking for waiters and I couldn't find him. Oh, wow. Um, so Barrage Bar- Bar- did this for you. He's suggesting that Dion Waiters is a streaky shooter. Mr. Hitch. Yeah. He has an award named after him. Yeah, no, I'm just being a smartass now. Yeah. Anyway, um, Lakers, Heat, they're in the finals. The Nuggets and the Celtics are not. Those are teams that, you know, gave a good account of themselves during the, during the season. Nuggets found themselves in a couple of holes in the NBA playoffs, managed to get out, couldn't get out of the third hole. Celtics. I was disappointed. I was disappointed that the Celtics didn't didn't really step up. And um, just, I think because you are so confident, like as you win the title, you were thinking this. We, yeah, I want to be beat nice. The it was going to be nice. I was I was thinking more about LeBron's legacy. I'm beating the Celtics. Yep. <laughs> as a Laker. <clears throat> does, does a Laker have to be a Laker to be a Laker great? Does someone do you have to beat the Celtics in the playoffs? You don't have to, but it definitely uh, it, it it enhances the uh, the value of the the this, this chapter if he beats the Fair Celtics. Well, does it though? The one... Enough to make the finals in the first place? Yeah, true. Look, I, I think uh, I think LeBron. I, I think the goat debate is going to be wide open when the Lakers win this title. It's the one thing that Kobe did that Shaq didn't. Kobe beat the Celtics in the finals and Shaq never got the opportunity. He beat Indiana and Philadelphia and New Jersey. But anyway. Never never got to beat the old enemy. No. No, I'm very good. He did play for them for a while. Ah, look, he he played for nearly everybody. Yeah, eventually, yeah. Um, What, What do those two teams need to do to take the next step? Uh, look, I think Boston's almost there. I think they've. Uh, I just say, I think Gordon Hayward's got to go. The guy yeah, just, I, I was going to say, I think the they need to get value. I think they need to find a way to get value for uh, for, Hayward. for Hayward. Agreed. They could trade him for Tobias Harris. They're on. They're on similar salaries. They, yeah, they they are. Who's that? Hayward and Harris. Ha- yeah, that that's a done deal. I'm joking. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> that that'll work. I'm going to hoop side right now, and I'm looking up. I'm just going to oh. don't get the trade machine out. No, I, I that thing confuses me and makes me feel scared. <laughs> so um, I, think, I think a couple of things, like for, in terms of like a serious answer, I think mm-hmm. Marcus Smart made mm-hmm. some real strides. Like if you compare his style of play Marcus and Smart, yeah. success from last playoffs to this playoffs, um, you know he was someone you could very confidently leave open leave open from three, like very open, and he would very confidently miss by 14 feet, right? Very confidently miss, I like that. No, no, I mean, he would. Like, that's the thing. Like, he would shoot it. In his head, he's one of those people who, like... Best buddies with JR and Dion Waiters. Yeah, I mean, in terms of his effort and his ability on defense, no question. He's fantastic, right? Yep. But he has a confidence on offense that is not matched by his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and... His his main improvement this season on last season has been that his 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 ability to hit that open shot has drastically improved. His confidence still outstrips his ability, right? But I mean, in, in game in game six, he shot was it 20, 22 shots, right? 
You know, Tatum shot. I mean, sorry, Kemba Walker only took fifteen shots. I reckon. I reckon Marcus Smart's got one of those. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Posters up in his room. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're probably still better off passing to Jason Tatum or yeah, no, no shit, or, or Jalen Brown or Kemba Walker, right? Um, so I think just there are some tweaks that they could make. Have like, they got too much of the same in Boston? I think with Hayward, maybe they do. Although Hayward does have uh, an ability to... Injure himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when healthy, even when, yeah. you know, like 75% healthy, he has an ability to facilitate uh, that the others don't have. True. Um, you know, he feels... Oh, Tatum. Oh, Tatum was a Tatum, bit of a... Tatum has the potential there, right? Yeah, he showed a couple um, of times. But he also, like, you look at some of the some of the deciding games, um, like some of those games against Miami in particular. You know, he's just Tatum has taken shots he shouldn't have taken. You know, like was it thirty eight point five percent or something he shot in game six? Like, yeah, but is that is that Tatum trying to put the team on his back um, and just not succeeding this time? Is it a sign of things to come with what Tatum will become? I, I think he's get. I think so. He's he's made a leap. Right, this season yeah. he's he's dramatically improved, um, and I think where he because he's so good physically, right? Yeah. He's very gifted. Sure. Uh, I think his next leap in terms of um, in terms of improvement is going to be more mental than physical. I think, and it's going to be about decision making as well. The mamba um, mentality. That's what it's called. <laughs> actually, that's not what I mean. Um, oh. Like he's he's already willing to take the big shot, um, but oh, of at the he's... moment, yeah. But at the moment, he's not as capable of seeing when someone else has a better shot all the time. Um, yeah. So That's like, it's going to come with maturity, isn't it? Yeah, I think it will. Right. Um, but that, like, if we're talking about ways that they're going to improve. I think internal, sorry, um, like within player development, year on year development of the players. I think smart is going to get smarter, and I think um, Tatum is going to get more mature. Right. And that alone is going to be um, a pretty big improvement on this year, particularly yeah, sure. once they work out what they're doing about Hayward. Because I think one of the other problems they've had with him um, has been that despite his injuries, um, you know, Stevens has kind of a, a soft spot for him. And so even when he's not really up to it, he probably plays more than he should uh, when there are, you know, there have been other guys like he delayed um, him being around, probably delayed. Jalen Brown's progress, right? Because yeah. he was playing when he wasn't 100%. He probably would have been better, you know, playing his way back in from a six-man type position uh, with Jalen starting, you know, which is what they ended up having to do with him, um, with his injuries and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I do think that a lot of their improvement is basically going to be development of guys they've already got. Um, they're going to have had Kemba for another year, Um you know, they're going to be able to get some, develop some more chemistry with basically the same bunch of guys, you know. I mean, they don't have any huge decisions to make um, this offseason either, you know. They don't have, you know, big, scary, expiring contracts coming up yet. Um, so, yeah, true. Yeah. The, the Nuggets, though. Just before we leave the Celtics, oh, yeah. Hayward, and, Hayward and Harris's contracts are within $200,000 of each other in salary next season. Hey, it's hey. just Harris has got this extra two years. So yep. 
Haywood expires is an expiring contract next season. He's going to be worth money it, then. Which He's very makes, tempting. Which, which makes Haywood's Haywood's movable. He becomes very movable, beyond movable. Yeah, but, but that means trade deadline you move it. It yeah, gives the Celtics so, an option to to pick that piece. Mm, yeah, you, the I think it'll be interesting to see who they are. You know. What it depends what the piece they get. What the Celtics identify as a weakness and who they feel they can solve that, you know, can fill that void. Well, I still think they as I much as a little I bit more. Like they're, the Celtics. they're a little. They need a little bit of size. So, yeah. um, they, could, they could use a really. They could use a really good stretch five. Um, <laughs> no, um, no. He 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 might be up for trade. They could use someone like Nikola Jokic. Who's absolutely unequivocally not available? We went from this is a really nice player um, who's very valuable to his team to um, he's the best passing center of all time in the space of about six weeks. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, and at the same time, Jamal Murray took this massive leap. Um, there, I think. I think they're. they're their issue in terms of what they need to do to take the next step compared to the Celtics is more easily identifiable and harder to do. Yeah. As in, as in they just need to, it's clear that they're just probably a guy short and that's, that might be Michael Porter Jr. Who knows? But yeah, just a big uh, baby. Yeah. It's just going to be hard. They've got Millsap's contract coming off the books this year. He's, he was on about thirty million this year, so he's a big expire, big contract coming off the books. Although you know he came up huge in the playoffs at various times, and yeah, they'd love it'll to. Be interesting, it'll be an interesting decision in what they want to do. Can I mean Millsap would be the exact sort of player you want to solve the Celtics' problems because you'd basically be getting a similar sort of you'd be getting sort of Al Horford three years ago back into that team. Yeah, not um, quite Al Horford, but yeah, like a, a decent, yeah, like, like, yeah. Of Al Horford. With the rest of them, they don't need. Well, the rest, Horford. Of, the rest of them are all better than they were a few years ago, too. So correct. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I just think you know the uh, the Nuggets probably just need an elite three and D guy, and um, you know it might be well, Porter's not a great defender at this stage, and that's putting it mildly. But um, and Jeremy Grant uh, went sort of had moments in the playoffs where he was incredible and other moments where he looked like he was unplayable. I mean, from that, from a, you know, the Nuggets need to not have him on the floor. So they kind of had three guys off the bench that were like that because you had, you know, in flashes, they were great. And at other times they were kind of liabilities. Like uh, Jeremy Grant, when he was good, Georgie Porgy putting him pie, right? Like, yeah, he was, he was, I mean, when he was good, he was very, very good. Um, And when he was bad, he was horrid. Like, yeah. um, You know, Monte Morris was great in flashes as well, off the bench. You know, back yep. up, back up PG. Um, He's been but, there a while too. Yeah, I mean MPJ again when he was good, he was really good, fabulous. Yeah, um, and when he had those you know lapses in concentration, um, you know it was painful at times. Um, he's got a lot of bounce, and you know he even got a couple of good blocks. But again. Um, if you don't like have sustained, yeah, sustained effort and concentration on defense. I mean, he's long enough. He's quick and athletic enough. If he if he learns how to focus, he could be a pretty good, useful defensive player. Um, 
I th- I think the problem with Porter is he as he improves is going to be he strikes me as the sort of person who wants to be the man, and it's clear he's not even going to be the number two option on that team, nor should he be, mm. considering how good Jokic is and what and how good Murray's been in these playoffs. You know, they, those guys aren't going to take backward steps. They're twenty four and twenty two years old. Yeah, yeah, Murray Murray is the the biggest surprise packet. To me, he he's he's going to be a key piece. Him and Jokic as a combo. I was going to, I was going to mention. That's I think the I foundations. I think I mentioned this to Andrew uh, in a conversation a little while ago. Um, do you guys remember how they got Murray? Wasn't he a, dra- a trait of a pick? So once upon a time, the Nuggets had a Story star time. called Carmelo Anthony. Oh no! Who insisted on leaving. And one of the one of the things that they got in return was the um, the option of swapping draft picks with the New York Knicks in 2016, which they did, and they drafted. Did we actually did we actually turn this into a let's make fun of the Knicks bit? It's been too long. It's because they're not in the playoffs. We don't get to talk about them very often. Um, but anyway, I just thought that was sort of fun. That's pretty funny. Yeah, Carmelo doing his bit. Uh, far out I liked me some Carmelo in the NBA Plus this year I think it was frisky for the Portland Trailblazers he contributed to the success of two playoff teams this season you know and I think that's worth something one by leaving and one and one by playing Um, yeah it was the it was the 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 option to swap 2016 that full that full trade was Denver Got Wilson Chandler, Raymond Felton, Gallinari, Mozgov, a first round Timothy of 2014, Mosgoff. two second round picks, and the option to swap six 2016 picks and cash considerations from New York. Denver got Costa Kufos from Minnesota, and the Knicks acquired Carmelo Anthony, Chaucey Billups, Anthony Carter, Ronaldo Boltman, and Sheldon Williams. And they got Corey Brewer from Minnesota. And Minnesota got a second round pick and Anthony Randolph and Eddie Curry. Um, wow. I'm trying to find uh, New York somehow through other moves uh, did not pick in the 2016, 2016 NBA draft until I don't know if they drafted in 2016. No, they didn't. They didn't end up with draft, a pick in that draft. Because they, I think they traded the pick they would have had. Yes, they traded. They they traded that pick that they swapped with to the Raptors, who picked Jakob Poltel. Jakob Poltel. Oh wow! That was a twenty thirteen. That was when the Knicks traded for Barjani and gave up Marcus Camby, Steve Novak, Quentin Richardson, and the twenty first and that twenty sixteen first round pick. That is that's. That's almost as much of a train wreck as the debate was earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Somehow they ended up with nothing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, look, they're, they're good at doing that, though. Yeah. Don't get us wrong. There's, there's some virtue and consistency. Yes. Yeah. So we- if, they, if, they, if they had just kept the pick nine, um, they could have picked Sabonis at pick 11. Uh, yeah, that's... Siakam went at 27, Brogdon went at 36. I mean, damn, Harris yeah. Levert at 20. Come on, guys, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Shout look, out to, I know there are some Knicks fans who listen to this podcast. There's at least one, and, you know, he's probably got to fix himself a triple whiskey. And but. Any, but any of those Clippers fans out there that are thinking that their their franchise is a shambles, <laughs> this is just that little uplifting moment. They're just like, at least we're not New York. Excellent. <laughs> Adam managed to bring it back to, you know. Los Angeles, it's, it's amazing how I can either rag on the Clippers or You've cheer both done an game. amazing job today in ticking boxes of what did you want to talk about during the podcast. Adam has managed to rag on the Clippers and pump up the Lakers, and Daniel managed to quote Georgie Porgy pudding and pie. So I think <laughs> we're all very happy, but we're all going to be goals. happy tomorrow. We're recording this on the Wednesday night before Thursday, game one of the NBA Finals in the bubble. It's the Lakers and the Heat. It is the Pat Riley Championship, the mogul. I just love that everyone's, the, like, just in terms of the... the um, in terms of the betting lines, I'm just really happy that everyone is getting the um, the Leonard Antetokounmpo finals that they expected. That's right. Myers <laughs> Leonard and Costas Antetokounmpo. <laughs> oh, no. That's that's why it pays to do research. That is Who excellent. Who knows? Who would have thought that Costas is going to win a, uh, a, a ring before his brother? <laughs> Oh, um, yes. Excited. Excited about tomorrow. Game one. The stage is set. Lakers are five-point favorites tomorrow. They're uh, clear favorites to win the title against the five-seed Miami Heat. You know, I don't, I, I'm happy to be corrected, but if the Heat won it, they'd be the lowest seed that's won an NBA title since the 95 Houston Rockets, I think. Mm. So... Um, I thought you were about to say something about finals MVP favorite is Alex Caruso, but... Anything is possible. We've got former NBA Finals MVP, Andre Iguodala, playing his sixth straight NBA mm. Finals. LeBron playing, his, LeBron playing his ninth in ten years. Yeah, tenth total. Yeah. Yeah, ninth in ten and years. Nine in ten years, yeah. Yeah, but he's pretty no impressive. Good. Anthony um, Davis, this, this, is, this would be his first, wouldn't it? <laughs> It would. It would. <laughs> I don't think they've played too many playoff games down in uh, New Orleans. So how do these two match up? Like, are you, everybody knows where 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 I where I think the chips will fall, but it's an interesting matchup. Yeah, it is. Andre very- Iguodala is actually like five threes in Game Six. Andre. He's one of the two people that's won a Finals MVP. Because he played on LeBron James. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And Jimmy Butler, he's got his wish. He's got his own team, and they're all behind him 100%. They're invested. Yeah, and I guess, you know, like they're uh, – this, this is a classic Heat team in a lot of ways. They're, they play together. Mm. They're disciplined. They're tough. Um, you know, like I do think that – so one of the things that keeps getting talked about in the, um, you know, amongst the kind of the pundit sphere seems to be that, yeah, sure, the Lakers have got the, the best two players in the series, but, you know, Miami might have the, the, the best, the next best four or five or six, depending on who you ask. Um, one, I'm not 100% sure that that's true. Um, but I think there are some really interesting matchups because of where they're good, you know, mm. um, like, Bam, 
Butler is just frankly, he's not big enough by himself. No, to, not at all. To slow LeBron down much. But nope. um he can he try. Be able, he yeah, can try I mean, and then there's Iguodala to back him up. So Exactly. Um and you know, like I didn't realise this, but I was looking up some stats earlier and um uh two of the guys um who on LeBron have limited him to the lowest field goal percentages are actually Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder. Um, Jay Crowder is not quick enough now, I don't think, but he will play his heart out. Yeah. Um, they'll play They'll play really good team defense. Um, mm. Iguodala is getting on a bit, but then, you know, so is LeBron, and they're both in very good shape for their age. They um, are. They're very much so. Yeah. So, um, look, I'm really interested to see this. Um, the, the Ringer does a podcast, um, uh, the NBA po- podcast they do, and one of their guys picked Lakers in six. The other one picked Miami in six. Um, Bill Simmons picked Miami in six um, on the podcast I listened to from today. Um, so was that uh, so the the other two guys on the NBA is that the mismatch? It was that Kevin O'Connor yeah. and Chris Vernon. Yep. That's right. Yeah. KOC. K- so KOC. We, we know uh, that, is, that all of the um, the Simmons network is is anti Lakers, right? Um, well, <laughs> you know, K- KOC. KOC picked. Um, he just argument. He he's just argumentative. That's the only reason. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, plus you know, plus he's a Celtics homer, so yep. he loves yep. picking against the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but look, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup, right? Like Bam. Ah, look. Bam I think it's going to be a lot tougher than everybody's sort of making out. It's going to be. Yeah. 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 I, I don't expect it's going to be a gentleman's sweep. I think it's, I think it's, it's going to be a gentleman's sweep, but I, I don't think it's going to be blowout games. Right. Yeah. I, I think I the Lakers will close out. I, I, I think it's going to take more than five games to win. I, I think the Lakers have got an edge, but um, I think it'll take six. Um, Cause I think, look, Bam showed more than I realized he had in the close up. The, the closeout game against Boston. I mean, I knew he could play. I knew he could play great defense. I knew he was a good rebounder. I knew he was a, a really good passer, particularly for his size. Um, but he showed an ability to create a shot and even put the ball on the floor in that uh, game six that I didn't know he had in him. Um, I don't think he's as good as AD. And if he's going to have, <laughs> and if he's got AD on him, um, then I think you know it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a, a real battle for him. Yeah. Um, as I, that said, I, I think oh, I've just got this feeling everybody's overrating how well Miami have been playing. They have, they've played out of their skin, but I feel like there's going to be a, a, a comeback down to earth moment and it could be tomorrow. Okay. So as objective as you possibly can be, Adam, what advantage does, <laughs> Mi- what advantage does Miami have over LA? There's going to be Andre some Iguodala. Air- that's it. Iguodala, that's it? <laughs> he's, the, he, he's literally the secret weapon. That's I mean, it. I, I, I just don't think the Lakers' defense is severely underrated. And I think Vogel has done a bang-up job, like just coming up with schemes to, to outsmart teams throughout the, throughout the playoffs. And it's taken that one game, oh, yeah, we'll try this out. And then they know exactly what they need to do, and they're getting it done because it's not just the two bet two of the best players in the matchup. It's two of the top five players in the whole league, in my opinion. And we'll say they're both top tens, but well, the number one player yeah. in the league, in my opinion, you're picking, and the number they, four. They, they are, 
they are they are both in the All NBA First Team. So by you know by by yeah. some some consensus, they're both in the top five in the league. Um, <clears throat> look, I think I think Miami's very well coached. Um, yep. Not that the Lakers aren't. Um, I think that Miami's very well coached, and if they're able to uh, take advantage of it, they have a really balanced perimeter attack. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, yes, uh, they're less prone than, say, Houston to those, you know, missing 43s in a game sort of sort of nights. Yeah, those numbers, yeah. Um, you know, their, their three-point shooters are more consistent than that. Um and, you know, they're the type of team that's going to finish a game with, you know, s- sometimes six or seven players in double figures um, with no, like, you know, kind of the death of a thousand cuts quite often. Yeah. Um, I-, I think it's, you know, it-, it may be that, like, a Tyler Hero has a big game because he's going to be playing mostly against the, um, mostly against the Lakers bench. Um, like I say, I... I- I agree with Adam. I think the Lakers are going to win. I think it's going to take them more than five games, but I think they'll win. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited. And, of course, as a fan, I hope it goes seven. I don't think it will, but I hope it does. Um, if it does go seven, actually, I just saw that the um, the Lakers are going to be wearing the Mamba jerseys in games two and, if, if necessary, game seven. Uh, and they have not. They have yet to lose in the Mamba jerseys. So if it does go seven, then uh, the Lakers have got a nice uh, – a nice advantage there. Why can't we just wear them for the whole series? <laughs> Why can't you make the whole plane out of the same material you make the black box from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh god. Yeah. Look, as I said, I'm, look, I'm normally a fan. I like to see a good game of basketball, but that's the the last thing I want to see right now. I want to see a sweep. I want to see LeBron with a Finals MVP that should be beside his actual MVP that they didn't give him because it's a whole load of rubbish. And anyway. I'm not going to get down to that tangent now, but the LeBron legacy is going to take strides forward as the Lakers triumphantly win a championship this year. I I think that last little uh, tidbit of information from Dan just settles it. It's Lakers in seven. (laughs) Lakers in seven. There we go. Meant to be, it's going to be in those jerseys. So I really don't need the, um, the, the, the strain on my mental health. Uh, can we just make it a gentleman's sweep? That'd be that'd be lovely. Uh, I don't mind. They can show replays instead of game six and seven <laughs> of other Lakers wins. It'll be if, just if like wanna, April. If you if you want to shade it, if you want to um, if you want to shade it in the Lakers' favor, ads start yep. a twi- start a Twitter campaign trying to convince Spo to play Kelly Olynyk because um, the numbers <laughs> don't lie. LeBron not only hunts but also brutally murders. Um, Kelly Olynyk in the pick and roll every damn time. So, oh boy, because Pat Riley's probably already brutally murdered Kelly already. <laughs> yeah, this uh, is true. This is true. Now, look, yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see what both Spolster and Vogel come up with uh, to counteract. Because by this stage, nothing's going to surprise anybody. Everybody's played their hand to get where they are. So, I think Fair. it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward Fair. to seeing. Another championship for my Los Angeles Lakers. Is that does that bring you back to level with uh, the Celtics? It or, does. You know, it does because you haven't been level with them since the early 1960s. So well, that um, depends. Are you, are I'm not allowed. Of, to, I'm not allowed to count, really. Swear are you counting the Minneapolis time. titles though? Oh, here Adam, we go. Adam does. Adam <laughs> does. Where's that hang up button? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
It, we, we're rolling. It's, it's run off the rails there with a little bit of Laker hate. Um, always a pleasure, guys. We hope it'll be an enjoyable NBA Finals starting Thursday Australian time. Lakers heat, heat Lakers. Maybe an emergency podcast if it does go to that predicted Game Seven. I, if it does go to a Game Seven, we're going to have to get in a pod or some something in between Game Six and Game An Emergency. Seven, so. Adams in emer- the emergency department. He's had a heart attack. Not, not for <laughs> the first time. No, no. Uh, pleasure as always. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, we'll be talking very soon, no doubt. No worries. Thanks, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. And until next time, this is the podcast. It should go without saying, I am Andrew Lewis. Catch you next time.